Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bott with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Come to you live right here from our studios in Daytona Beach, Florida. Excited to be serving Jesus in this day and age that is a terminal generation and the, the day and age in which the patriarchs of old uh, look forward to it. Folks, here we are today gathered. We're here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for an expository teaching in the Word of God. And for you guys that have been joining us, man, we've been just having a great time studying this unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people don't study the Revelation because they get so paranoid and afraid and all these other things. Folks, you know what that is? That's called sin. When when I'm walking in sin, I do not want to be exposed to the Word of God. But I tell you what, when I can love His appearing, when I have a desire in my heart for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's exciting because, you know, all those things, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, whatever it may be today, 70 in some cases, 70 plus, there's an excitement that rises up because you're thinking, you know, everything that I'm doing in this lifetime, I'm doing in preparation for that glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ where I'm going to be changed. You know, all the struggles that we go through and, and the battles that we have, you know, folks, those are not for naught. You know, N-O-T for N-A-U-G-H-T. They're not for naught. They, they're, they're the work that God is doing in us in order that He can present to Himself a glorious church. So if you're joining us for the very first time, we have been studying this unveiling of Jesus and uh, in really an expository line, line upon line, precept upon precept uh, status, this this whole revelation of who he is. If, if you don't know who he is, man, this is the place to go. This is a, that letter that we get to uh, read and participate in uh, that, that God revealed to his son Jesus that was provided for us and signified us to, by an angel to the prophet John. And so we've been, this is class going to be class number 21. If you have not been with us in the past, you have missed totally out. Yet, we make these available to you for free download by going to our website, which is at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, a big grace, a big influence, a big opportunity to get into the presence of the Lord. You can go and you can click on Raven Institute, and you can actually download all the classes in MP3 format, and uh, for absolutely free, no charge or anything else, and uh, and get in on this, because there's some great teaching in here. I, I don't say it because I'm the teacher, I say it because it's the Word, and anytime you folks, you get into the Word, Man, it is an exciting time. It stirs you up. It really compels you to look further. And uh, that's what it's been doing for me. And it really excites me. I know Jesus is coming back. But I know more now than when I first believed. And so I'm excited and just in anticipation for it. And so thank you guys so much for coming and, and being a part of this. If you have questions concerning any of the teaching or want something else or I don't cover or I go over the top of it or something else or... If there's uh, something that maybe I didn't even bring up that you think would be uh, pertinent to the discussion on the Revelation, let me know. Send that to raven at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-N at biggrace.com, and we would love to include it in the program. Uh, folks, I don't, I don't plan on, uh, or I don't claim to know everything. I just give you what God has entrusted me with, but we are the body of Christ, fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. And so uh, if God's given you a revelation on the Revelation or something else, uh, by all means, let us know uh, uh, what it is. We'd love to get it in there. So send that to raven at biggrace.com. Also, pray at biggrace.com for prayer requests. We uh, we typically, when we're uh, doing our Tuesday night program, which we're not going to do for you guys watching live until January 6th, we have intercessory prayer that's live on that. But we also, we're praying throughout the week for different needs and different people. Send those in to us at pray at biggrace.com or call us up. You can call us up at 504 24 hours, I answer that telephone. Or you can send it to, what is that number? One, go uh, zap souls. One, G-O-Z-A. 
S-O-U-L-S, another 1-800 number. That's a, that's a free call. You can make one. Go Zap Souls and send your prayer request into that as well. Just record them on that thing, and we'll get that. So once again, thank you guys so much for joining us. If you have prayer requests, comments, questions, send those to one of those, those email addresses, raven at biggrace.com for questions. Pray at biggrace.com for uh Prayer requests, we'd love to pray, and we thank you guys so much for joining us. We've got people all over the United States here today and, and around the world. We get these classes that are downloaded after they're on, and, and, and people and friends in and, and parts of the country that, that do not have access to some of the things that we take for granted. But we're so glad to see our friends, Mom and Dad, and the, and the, the PAFs there in Mexico uh, today, and uh, 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 Mary in Georgia, and uh, Mercedes in New Orleans, and Wanda up in Canada, and etc. So Good to have all you guys with us today. We just pray for you. And just thank you so much because you're why we're here. You're here to be an encouragement and be a recipient of what God's doing. And we just love you so much. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to be a part of this study. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today and just ask for his blessing, his power, and his presence above all things to be in our midst. Father, we just thank you for this day because it is a day that you have made. And we're going to come and rejoice and be glad in it, Lord God, looking for, Lord God, that day, that day when uh, when you'll come, Lord God, and we'll be caught up together with you in the air, and we'll always be with the Lord. So, Father, we come today, Lord God, in anticipation of that day, Lord God, when we will see you, Lord God, as you are, and we'll be transformed. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to come this morning and to, to seek you and to, to uh, praise you, Lord God, and to look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you're a healing Jesus, that you're a forgiving and a delivering Jesus, Lord God. And, and so today, Lord God, we come to you, Father, with, with nothing in and of ourselves. The Word tells us that in our flesh dwells no good thing. But Father, I'm so grateful that you and your mercy, Lord God, came, Lord God, and, and moved upon me and brought conviction into my life and, and gave me the opportunity and the mind to repent and believe the gospel, Lord God. Now, I'm your child, Lord God. I'm a joint heir together with Christ. And so as a result of that, Lord God, I'm a beneficiary, Lord God, of your promises, and I have your righteousness imputed unto me, Lord God. And the Word tells me that you have perfected forever those that are being sanctified. And my sanctification today, Lord God, is because of my faith in the finished work of the cross. And so, Lord God, we look to the cross today, Lord God. We don't look to the works of our own hands, our own intellect, Lord God, whatever we may be able to do, Lord God, within our own power, Lord God. Father, we count those things as rubbish, Lord God, and we look to Jesus as our source today. We thank you, Lord God, that he is our hope. He's our salvation. We have the mind of Christ, Lord God. And Father, I pray for each and every one, Lord God, that may be struggling. Lord God, even in this, this season, Lord God, of, of, of festivities, Lord God, many people are depressed, Lord God, because of their circumstances. But Father, I thank you, Lord God, that I might be pressed, but I'm not crushed. I might be persecuted. Lord God, but I'm not abandoned. I may be struck down, but I'm not destroyed, Lord God, because I have been blessed beyond the curse, Lord God. There's a blessing that comes upon us, Lord God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray for each one that's been battling sickness, disease, Lord God, even as my dad called the, that list of prayer requests out, out last night, Lord God. I stand with him in prayer, Lord God, for, for Jackie Stale, Lord God, who they think may have had some type of a stroke. Father, I pray, Lord God, for your hand of mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit to rest mightily upon her, Lord God, uh, as that he healing agent, Lord God, that healing bomb of Gilead. Father, for others that have been sick, afflicted, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, in this season, Lord God, for the manifestation of miracles, Lord God, to begin to take take place, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would just cause up, Lord God, people to rise up in the gift of faith and the uh, gift of working of miracles and the gifts of healings, Lord God, in, in the name of Jesus. Because it says that they brought all manner of sickness, disease, Lord God, before you, and you healed all of their sicknesses and disease, Lord God. And Father, I'm believing in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that as we 
walk in faith and in holiness and consecration uh, unto you, Lord God, that your power will flow through us, Lord God, even as it did in the days of old. Lord God, so as we come today, we ask that you would speak, that you would move, that you would tr- change and transform, Lord God, that you would just cause holiness and righteousness, Lord God, to, to, to be the menu item of the day, Lord God, as we seek your face in a greater revelation of your Son, Jesus. Help me, Lord God. Empower me, Lord God. I'm in, unable in and of myself, Lord God, but I thank you that there's one greater inside of me than he that's in the world. And we give you praise and glory and honor. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen and Amen. It's exciting to serve Jesus. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Boy, it's, it's almost too early in the morning to be talking and praying and preaching like that. But you know, David said, early, early will I seek him. And when you seek him early, Amen, you're going to find him. So, once again, thank you guys for, for being with us. Yesterday... Can somebody say yesterday? Amen. Yesterday, we began our study really concerning uh, what I refer to as both really an exciting and, and controversial time, the study or the teaching on the rapture of the church. And you know, some inside of me that just gets, when I begin to think about that event, you know, I don't think about it with indecision. I don't think about it with, oh, no, what's going to happen? Man, I think about it with, it is, it's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You talk about where the glory is going to be revealed to the beloved. It is on that day that, that we're going to have the opportunity to, to see and to know and to experience. So, you know, we, 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 we've talked about that in regards to the rapture church. Folks, there's some that, that, that just outright deny that there will be any type of rapture or catching away of the church at any time. But the real discussion that really happens is not between uh, 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 those folks or, or rapture adherents versus non-rapture adherents, but rather it's among those who actually do believe in the idea of a rapture. You know, the discussion that really ensues when you begin to talk about stuff like this usually revolves around not, not the event itself, but the timing of the event. And so, you know, one says tomato, one says tomato, one says potato, one says potato. And so, but, but really it comes down to that whole aspect, uh, that whole, uh, uh, timing of when the rapture of the church has come. You know, and that's usually where you get the battles. It's not between people who totally deny it and those that do, but it's those that are, that are so steadfast on pre-trib, uh, mid-trib, or post-trib that begin to, to battle amongst themselves and all this. You know, if you're mid-trib or post-trib, I've already tipped my hand on, on what I believe. You know, praise God for you. I love you. And uh, I'll see you in three and a half or seven years, you know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I love you, and I'm not going to argue that point because it's not even worth it. But, you know, we, we talk about those things, and I want to throw this out. Pre-trib, you know, those holding that the church will be taken away at the beginning. Mid-trib, those holding to a midway point in the rapture. And post-trib, those who make really no distinction between the rapture of Revelation 4.1 and the revelation of chapter 19. And so it's those that hold to after the seven-year uh, period of time. Pre-trib, mid-trib, uh, post-trib. And so it comes becomes that, that battle of, okay, when exactly is this going to happen? You know, as I stated uh, yesterday, you know, through many, really many, many years of studying this subject, and because of the really the preponderance of, of evidence that I find, uh, that really supports a pre-tribulation uh, rapture is the, is the reason I hold to that position. And what's interesting to me is that the more I look, the, the more it seems like it's revealed. It's just inescapable. I, I said to myself, and I told Deb after the program yesterday, I said, you know what, I want to kind of present kind of the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all those things, and I said, but the, the more I, I look, there's this, it's, it's a hard argument to make for anything but pre-trib. And, and I honestly, I want to enter into those things with kind of a quote-unquote an open mind or an open dialogue for that. But it would be a hard debate 
to, to win, uh, I say, uh, on regards to mid-trib and, and post-trib. If you've got some positions on that, you want to email those to me. I think you got a, a good point. I don't want to turn this into a kind of the, the, the battle of wits or the battle of wheels or the, 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 the conflict, because I don't think it's really worth that part of it. Uh, like I said, if you want to hold to those other two positions, I'll see you in three and a half or, or seven years after that, that period of time. But there is such a tremendous preponderance of evidence in the scripture and such you know i, I read it and man and just the, the witness of the spirit gets all over me you know yesterday we we started this subject and i think i had like typically in a class like this my notes are usually about five pages of notes in an hour-long class yesterday i had 13 and i obviously i got through about four of them but as i began to just pray and study this morning i, I typed up another five you know and so it's just it just keeps on building. And I told you, you know, we have to take a day or two or, or three or this week to kind of talk about this. But I think it's worth it. I think we really kind of need to get our our, our biblical ducks in a row and begin to, to look at what it says. My view, though, uh, as I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pre-tribber, is probably a lot different than most pre-trib escapists. And I'll just put it that way. You know, because what, what many people are doing that believe in pre-trib is they're just looking for the rapture as their ticket to Easy Street. That's what they believe. And, you know, uh, off-camera Deb said they're not going, and, they, and they, they're probably not if that's their mentality. I believe that the body of Christ is now and will suffer much by the way of persecution, by the way of tribulation, by, by, by the way of difficulty. I don't believe that that's just our, our, our ticket to Candyland, so to speak. Uh, but in all that's going to happen before the events that are described in detail between chapters 5 and chapter 18 of this unveiling in the book of the Revelation. And that that number being raptured will not be like that that's depicted in all these Christian films where there's stacks of clothes everywhere and cars driving off the road and houses empty and nobody's at the church. I don't believe it's going to be like that as well. But rather, I believe it's going to be a remnant that is comprised of the overcomers. And so this, I believe, is, is probably more consistent with the whole idea of being caught away or taken away from the wrath or the judgment of God of those walking in righteousness during the time of the great compromise and great times of apostasy. I want to look at a scripture real quick this morning. And you'll go back. Here I am again. You know, we're in the, we're in the first book. But I think sometimes, excuse me, the last book, I think sometimes before really the greatest understanding of the last book is just go back to the first book. Because he's the Lord God, folks, and he does not change. And what I love about the scriptures, you know, you have these 1,179 chapters of scripture that are all interwoven into one another. There's no contrast. There's no con, uh, there's no conflict. There's no contradiction. All of them work hand in hand. And if we just read the whole word, right now we, we have a, a leadership discipleship class going on here right in, with our team here in Daytona Beach. And we've got what, six or seven uh, pastoral couples and a couple uh, uh, single folks that are being a part of that. And I'm having them read through the entirety of the New Testament uh, in 30 days. And they just finished one set of it, and now they just started reading it again. There's a reason that I do that, because I believe in this uh, this idea of saturation of the Word. Because what happens, because the Word is a living Word, when, and I say this at the, at the close of every program, you get into the Word, the Word gets into you. And so what I believe is that when we expose ourselves to the Word of God, the totality of it, what happens is when we begin to read things, because it is living, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, it is a deserter of the thoughts and intents of a man's heart. When we come across something, boom, that Word stirs up inside of us. And we brought back to remembrance. But the only way it's brought back to remembrance, if it was in memory 
to begin with. So I have them saturating themselves with the Word on a daily basis, seven, eight chapters of Scripture every single day, in order for them to, to be able to look at the Word and say, oh, I remember that. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, what about this? Folks, that's what you got to do. you got to study to show yourself approved unto God. You need to be that workman, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, who need not be ashamed. But the only way you can do that is to study the Word. So we're going to take... What he's saying right here in chapter 4 in regards to this rapture. And I want to, I want to show you what he tipped the hand of. The good thing about God is, it's kind of like, you know, we're here in quote unquote the Christmas time season. And so, you know, people are going to be wrapping presents and giving gifts to their children and loved ones and, and showing that type of thankfulness and all these type of things. But if you ever notice kids, they'll go pick up a box and they'll start shaking it. They want to know what's in the box. They'll tear the paper. They want to look at the packaging. All these things. They want to shake all this stuff and see it and see it and see it. But the interesting part about that is, you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the parent will ask them ahead of time, so what is it that you want? Make me a list. They'll give them all these things to tip the hand on what they want to do for them. Or somebody else will say, oh, you're really going to like this. Man, you're, this is something you've been really wanting. Folks, the same thing about our God. God, He desires to give us uh, 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 the, the revelation of everything. There's nothing hidden. Uh, uh, Paul said, you know, listen, nothing we've done, we've done in a corner. And the same thing, he says that he does nothing except he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And so if you want to do that, let's go back and look where he revealed this whole idea, this whole subject matter of the, the, the revelation. So I've got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verses 21 through 24. All the way, all the way, all the way. Here's what's cool. He says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, it says, And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. See, I could stop right there and we could just have church. I really could. I, I, because I, I know, obviously I know where I'm going with this. But there's just so much in that 21st verse of the, uh, of the book of Genesis that ties into the, the first verse of Revelation 4.1. But it says, And Enoch walked with God. Somebody say he walked with God. And afterwards he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch, verse 24, walked with God and he was no longer, or he was not, for God took him. Underline, God took him. You already underlined in verse 22 that he walked with God and God took him. Folks, I want you to write this down. The word walked is a word. Let me give you a good uh, English spelling for a Hebrew word. It's halak, H-A-W-L-A-K, H-A-W-L-A-K. He walked, he halaked with God. It means to live and die in a particular manner of life. To live and die in a particular manner of life. And so he walked with God. He hallowed with God. Or he had a particular testimony. He had a particular way in which he lived, which he walked with God. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a particular way that you live and walk with God? Because what's going to happen is, is everything about your life is going to be predicated upon that. Now think about this. Galatians 2.20. I've quoted this many times to you. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Once again, Paul the Apostle writing. Nevertheless, I live, but not I that live, but it, the, the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look what he said. I'm crucified. In other words, I die, yet I live. And that's exactly what Enoch did. It says that he 
lived and died in a particular way. Now we know from the text of this, we know from studying Enoch's life that, that the death he's talking about is not a physical death. It wasn't his heart stopping and somebody burying him, but it's the, the death to self. And folks, listen, that's the whole summation of the gospel. If any man desires to be a follower of Christ, what you've got to do, you've got to deny self, take up your cross, the instrument of your own execution, and you've got to Follow him. That's the, that's got to be the picture, the, or the, 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 the pictorial, uh, representation of your life. It says, I died to self and I'm no longer alive anymore, but Christ has raised up someone else in the newness of life. And so it says that he ha-locked, he walked with God, and that he was taken, or God took him. That is laka, which is, here's another good English spelling of a Hebrew word, L-A-W-K-A-K-H. L-A-W-K-A-K-H. La-Kak. And it means, you have to kind of say it like that, it means to be taken, carried, or snatched away. So Enoch Halak, or he lived and died in a particular manner of life, and as a result of his living and dying to self in a particular way, he was Lakak, which he was taken, carried, or snatched away. Now, isn't that, that powerful? See, that's powerful for me because what that shows is what the qualifier is. The qualifier isn't walking an aisle and, you know, uh, getting your, uh, praying the rosary or walking an aisle and, 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 and repeating a Christian mantra and saying, you know what, I want to join and get the right hand of fellowship. Folks, it's living a life that, that is indicative of dying to yourself. It's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you in the life that you now live in the flesh. You live by Faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. So Enoch lived a life that was uh, representative of a death to self. He, he, he laid his life down. It wasn't Enoch that lived any longer. It was, his, it was uh, uh, Enoch walking in faith towards God. And as a result, he was snatched away. Now, here's the question. I, gotta ask, I get excited about this stuff. He was snatched away, but you've got to ask your question. Snatched away from what? Now, it's one thing just to be snatched away, but, but snatched away from what? So I'm glad that you asked that question this morning. Now, here, here's, here's, the, here's how we have to answer this question. Enoch was the father of the one Methuselah, okay? And what's the, what's the thing about Methuselah? Everybody knows. He lived longer than anybody. Longest living man. And so what is significant about that? So I could throw that off right here and we could talk for the next half hour about just the significance of that. And we're not going to take the whole half hour, but I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. And so I'm glad that you asked. Methuselah. Write that name down on, on the screen here and write it down in your notes. Methuselah. M-E-T-H-U-S-E-L-A-H. Now, if you look at that and if you read the Bible, take that name, Methuselah, and take the first part of it. Take Methuah. Now, look at the word Selah. Now, how many of you guys read the, the book of Psalms and you see that so many times after a passage? So, it's two words, actually. It's a compound name, and it comes from math or methu, is another rendering, and selah. Math means, or methu, means man. Okay? Selah is an accentuation, interruption, or pause in the normal discourse of time. And so... Methu equals man. Selah equals an accentuation, interruption, or pause in the normal discourse of time. Okay? And so Enoch was the father of man, or the father of a man 
representing accentuation, interruption, or pause in the normal discourse of time. So, I'm going to put it this way. Enoch walked with God, or Enoch enjoyed the same type of relationship as God, with God as Adam did prior to the fall. Okay, we look at the, the the book of Genesis. We go back, you know, four chapters, and we see that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. He had an uninterrupted relationship with God uh, because there was an absence of this 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 prevalent sin nature. And so he walked with God, and he shared a type of relationship that the body of Christ, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, shares with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, folks, we walk with God. If I walk in the flesh. I fulfill the lust of flesh, but if I walk in the Spirit, what is it? I, wa- I fulfill the Spirit's directive over my life, and I do not fulfill the, walks, uh, the works of the flesh. And so Methuselah, and write this down, represents two things to us. Number one, it represents the mercy of God being extended because of His grace. Represents the mercy of God being extended because of His grace. And because, this is still number one, and because of that relation, the relationship that Enoch had, just as we do, with Jesus, through our spiritual loins, the Great Commission, that great opportunity is given to other people to repent before it's too late. Okay? And so here Enoch did. He walked with God and he begat Methuselah. He begat this one that his life would be significant because it would represent a time, accentuation, interruption within the normal discourse of time. And his life being lengthy, think about this, folks. In the Old Testament alone, and I'm talking about before the cross, over 50 times it says God is good and his mercy endures forever. And so Methuselah, or Methuselah, was an, an example of just God continuing and continuing that mercy. And I'm going to tell you exactly why, just for a second. And so he's, we're given that opportunity through the loins of Enoch, through the, word, through, the, through the loins of our word, we know in, in Matthew chapter 7, we know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Fruit being the, the word karpos, and it's reproductive fruit. And so the word that we preach in the Great Commission, which he gave in, in Mark 16, 15, which he reiterated in Acts 1 and 8, we've got that word that goes out to people and gives them an opportunity, even when we're gone, when we're not in their presence. That word is sharp, it's living, it's implanted in their heart, it's, it's looking for fertile soil to bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 90-fold return on that. That return is is salvation. It's not something to put in your pockets. It's something that's going to put in your heart because where your, your, your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so that's what's the continuation. And what we've seen for the last 2,000 years is the, the, that seed, that outpouring, that Methuselah being, that mercy being given to, to, to the generations from all the way from the, the Ephesus age all the way up through Laodicea. And so during that period of his time, corruption came upon the earth. During that, 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 that nine, what, 969 years of Methuselah's life, it was corrupt, it was wicked, but the mercy was still here. there. Folks, the last 2,000 years, we've seen those type of things happening. And I'm going to bring it all to bear in just a second. So, uh, we, we're given that opportunity to repent before it's too late. Too late for what? Well, too late. I'm glad you asked the question. Number two, too late for the flood. Too late for the flood. In Methuselah's case. Now, here's what's interesting, folks. And some of you may know this. The year that Methuselah died, or the year, in our case, that the age of grace dies, was the year that Noah's flood came. Did you know that? The year that Methuselah died was the year that the flood came. Methuselah, once again, becoming that type of grace 
poured out through us walking with God. But the year that he died, the year that that long life came to an end, was the day of Noah's flood. And it was the day and the year that the door which had been opened during the building of the ark, a type of the church age, would now be shut until the fulfillment of the judgment was complete. Folks, here Noah was, righteous man, building this ark for 120 years. Folks, you know what we've been doing? We've been building the ark for 2,000 years. We've been, we've been laying the planks. We've been mocked. We've been ridiculed. What do you mean? The Lord's not coming. Just like they said about the flood. It's not going to happen. You know what? Uh, there's no such thing as this rain. All these things that you're talking about. This great catastrophe. Nothing's going to happen. Folks, think about what's been going on in the church. You go out on the street corner and you say, Listen, you, uh, make straight your paths. The Lord Jesus, He's not coming. I don't believe in all those stuff. Folks, we live in the exact same type of opportunity. So, Enoch's rapture, his getting caught up, he walked with God and God took him, is a foreshadowing of the rapture of the church, which walks with God now, because God is in us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Methuselah, the man with a time that's going to come, that's going to interrupt the normal course of time, is that accentuated pause or the marker that occurs just before the judgment is poured out upon the unrighteous. And so, he, Hakai, lived a life that was death to self, and it led or qualified him for the laka, or the carrying or snatching away, prior to the wrath of God. And so, folks, we, we see these pictures of these markers that he gives us all along the way. Obviously, right here in Genesis 5, chapter 21 through 24. So, Noah, let me get, bring Noah into the picture. He also represented those who would go in prior to the judgment and would come out. Now, think about this. Noah went into the ark at a particular time, but he came out of the ark as well. Now, now I want you to get, you got to grab a hold of this. Noah represented those who would go out, go into the ark, that time that's catching away when the door was closed prior to the judgment, but he would come out with the commission to govern that post-apocryphal earth just as the saints will come out of the ark uh, at the revelation with Christ, chapter 19, to reign with him as kings and priests over a post-apocryphal earth as well. Think about that for a second. Noah came out a small number, a remnant. He came out after the flood, a type of tribulation. What for? Go and replenish the earth. Go and reign. You have dominion. Same type of dominion that Adam was given in, in the book of Genesis. Now we are, after that tribulation period, we're going to return at the revelation with him to reign with Christ. Let, let me, I'm going I'm to show you something, we'll, and we'll get to specifically that 19th chapter. But I want, I want you to read this so you can get it. I want you to get your, your collective minds around what this is going to look like. He said, I saw heaven opened. Here's the door to the ark. I saw heaven open. And this is Revel, uh, excuse me, Revelation 19.11. Behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And his righteousness, he does judge and make war. Eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And I'm going to jump down. And uh, he had a, excuse me, let me find it. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Folks, you know who that is? In verse 14, chapter 19, that's you and I. That's those that are willing to walk with God. Those that are going to be invited into the ark prior to the calamity, that are going to come out after the waters recede or after his wrath secedes uh, uh, from the face of the earth. What? To rule and reign with him, to replenish the earth, to be kings and priests. And him. You getting that? 
You getting that that picture from it? It is it is a remnant. There's a, it's a multitude, but in the uh, but in the scope of time, it's a very small number. So let's look at this real quick. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter twenty four, thirty six through forty two. Matthew twenty four thirty six through forty two. I love this. But of that day and hour, <laughs> can you tell I love this? But of that day and hour, no man knows, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father also. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so, why do I take you all the way back to Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24? Because Jesus took us all the way back to Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Remember, I underline, as in the days of Noah were. For as in the days that were before the flood, before the door got shut to the ark, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Okay? And, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You know what's interesting about this? It says, For as the days that, uh, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. You know, a lot of people, they'll read that, and they'll read 39 until, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Folks, that's not talking about the people that perished in the flood. That's talking about Noah. That, that, that personal pronoun, they, is not related to the they who were eating and drinking and marrying and giving to marriage. The they of verse 39 is pointing back to the, the last subject, which was Noah entering the ark with his family, just those eight souls. And so it says, that, and, and, and knew not who, Noah and his family, until the flood came and took them away. Took them away from what? Took them away from the judgment that was going to befall all those around them. So also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. Now listen to this, verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken. The other left. Two women shall be grinding the mill. One shall be taken. The other left. Verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord does come. Here's, here's what I want to bring into this, folks. If I, if I adhere to a, a strict three and a half year type of tribulation, that three and a half year is going to be marked by the time, and we'll get into this later, when the Antichrist goes in and he sets himself up at the temple. Now, if I believe in, in, a, in a three and a half year mid-trib, what is it? There's going to be a specific event that's going to tell me exactly when that time is. But the scripture says, you will not know what your hour that the Lord comes. So if it's, if it's mid-trip, I would know. If it's at the end of it, at the Battle of Armageddon, I would also know. The only time I would not know is before all of those things happen, before the floods come, before the wrath of God is poured out, before the tribulation begins. It's going to be that, 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 that mysterious, invisible time that is going to have markers, but it's not going to have a, 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 an indicator of time like a mid-trib or a post-trib uh, rapture the church would have. Can you, can you see how that would work? Now check this out. And it says, uh, for the days of before the tut, I'm going to go back, I'm going to stay right here in, in Matthew uh, chapter 24 just for a second. And it says, and he and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Now that word took, great word. Write this down. Here's your good English spelling of a Greek word. A-I-R-O. A-I-R-O. That is the Greek word. Now look at that word, folks. A-I-R. What is that? Air. Air. And so where do you think we get our word for air from? From arrow. It means to be lifted or elevated upward. Lifted 
or elevated upward. And so Noah entered into the ark and did not know until the flood come and elevated or lifted them upward, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So what's that talking about? That's talking about us. We will be caught up together with him in the air. Right? Into the arrow. We're going to be lifted upward. There's the rapture of the church. Now, when did it happen? Did, let, me, let me just put something to you this way. Make you think of it. Uh, if you adhere to a mid or a post-trib. Now, do you think that Noah and his family had to swim around the ark for the first 20 days before they could go in? No. you think it rained for maybe 13 days? Then they were able to go in? Or do you think the floods came and they said, Man, this water's deep. We better get in the ark now. That's what's that. That's really that would have to be the the thinking of a of a mid or a post trib uh, rapture. It would have to say, well, you know what? You're, they built the ark. The, the way of escape is there. Walking with God, walking consecrated, being an overcomer. But you're going to have to kind of just hang on to the edges of the ark until it's over. Then you can get in. It, it, you see the reasoning behind that? That's why it's so difficult for me to even, you know, even in the teaching atmosphere to kind of defend those positions because they, they run so contrary to what the Scripture says. And it says, so he took them out of the way. He lifted, elevated them upward. But I want you to look at, a, at another verse as well. And this is out of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And this is Enoch being a type of the church or of the body of Christ. And this is out of Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That, that little analogy of the, the, the ark and people hanging on for a while, I think, I think that clicked with some of you guys, and maybe that's what's going to get you to understand where I'm coming through. Yeah, they didn't have to hang on to the outside and hope for a rope, then climb in, but it happened before the door was shut. Okay? Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, you're thinking, what does it have to do with the rapture? Well, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, for by grace we're saved by what? Faith. It's not, a, it's not of our own selves. It's, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. For by what? Faith. Right? Faith through grace. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead yet speaking. Verse 5, love this. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, not should see all of it, not should see a portion of it, not should see any of it, and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. Folks, listen. How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, loving not our lives, even unto the death. Folks, what is your testimony today? And I'm not talking about your testimony being, you know what, when I was 18 years old, I was just an old dirty, rotten crackhead, or, you know, I was a prostitute, or I was, you know, abusive, or an alcoholic. I'm not talking about that testimony. You know what, my te- I, my, you know what, I've walked with the Lord for such a degree for a long time that 
You know, it's kind of weird to even talk about being a rebellious teenager. You know, I don't remember those days. You know, my testimony is that, man, God loved me enough that His grace was sufficient. And uh, through faith in the, in the cross of Calvary, man, I've been made brand new. That, that even though in my flesh dwelt no good thing, that according to 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, the Spirit of God is in me. I'm His temple. He's empowered me. And uh, by grace, I've been saved, created unto good works. That's my test. My testimony is this right here now. It's not how rotten I was, it's how good that Jesus was. And so, we have a testimony, just like Enoch had. Before his translation, he had a testimony. Before, folks, you can even say that I want to be a part of this snatching or catching away, you have got to have a testimony. And your testimony can't be a testigrony, and it can't be not testifying, but testifying. It's got to be a thing where I'm walking in faith towards God. And so that's why I brought up the point to open the classes, that I'm not into this escapism and these things that you say, well, I'm that. Why? Because First John 1, 6, we talk about this all the time. If I say that I have a testimony, if I say that I have fellowship, if I say that I have koinonia or an intimate relationship with Him, yet I walk walk in darkness or my testimony don't measure up to my words I'm a liar and the truth is not in me that I do not the truth and I will not have any part in him but Enoch it says that he was translated that he should not see death because why before that period of time came he had a testimony that the testimony was he was pleasing unto God not that he was a failure to God verse 6 but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that comes to God he that what is elevated, is brought to that place towards God, must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, folks, I love this part. You know, we use that, that terminology, right? I love all these parts. You know, we use that, that term, He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him for a lot of things, don't we? You know, man, you know what? I'm going through something, but you know what? I'm going to seek the Lord because He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Man, you know what? I'm, I'm broke, and so I'm going to pray that God will bring provision because He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So we use it for all kinds of, my, my kids are in rebellion. I'm going to pray and believe God because He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I'm, you, know, you see what I'm saying? We use it for a lot of things. But what is the context here of that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? You know what? What's the reward that he's talking about? Is it more money in your pockets? Is it that your kids are going to stop rebelling? Is it that you're going to have a better job? Is that the reward within the context? Look what he says. You know, we, we use those things. The reward is he was translated because he had a testimony that pleased God. That by faith, look at 5 and 6 together. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, what faith? The faith that Enoch was talking about, it's impossible to please him or to have that testimony, verse 5, that pleased God. For he that comes to God, in what way God took him, must believe that he is who he said he was, and he's a rewarder. What's the reward? Being caught up together with him in the air, I, I, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and He said, Come up hither, and I'll show you things that must shortly come to pass, that seek Him. Where do we get that from? Right back to Second Timothy 4, 6. That, that there's a crown of righteousness laid up for Him, not only for Paul, but for all of those that love His appearing, that those that seek Him. Do thy diligence, He said, to come shortly unto Me. Not three and a half years, not seven years, but to come shortly unto him. And so, folks, the thing about it is we've got to come to that place where we know what the reward that He has for us. Our reward is not going to be found in this life. 
But we read a scripture like that and we say to ourselves that the reward is all these good things. Folks, listen, this place is not my home. There, you know, there's nothing that you can bring. Naked you come, naked you will go. You know, we're not going to take anything with us, but that reward of what we're going to have in that place. So, do you see how all this stuff's fitting together? And so, here we go. Uh, go back up here to Enoch was translated, he should not see God. That word translated is actually two words. You need to know this. Translated is two words. The first part of that word, it's a compound word. It's meta, M-E-T-A, and tithemi, T-I-T-H-A-Y-M-E-E, T-I-T-H-A-Y-M-E-E. Meta means to be transferred to in the sense of accompanying something. To be transferred to in the sense of accompanying something. Tithemi means to be established to an ordained place. To be established to an ordained place. And so, he says, what? By faith, Enoch was transferred in the sense of accompanying something to a predetermined or an ordained or established place. Now, I want you to compare that to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. I'll catch my breath here for a second. <sighs> Hallelujah. Here's what he said. This is exciting, folks. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Okay? I, I say that because the Great Tribulation, another term for it is called Jacob's Trouble. Okay? We'll get into all of that as we continue to go. Jacob's Trouble. But I need you to tell, Jacob's Trouble is the time that God is once again dealing with the Jews. He said, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then look at the promise he gave him. In my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to establish or ordain a place. Okay? What place? Well, the place that Enoch was translated to. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Okay? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Okay, here's the deal. Rapture versus revelation. Rapture means a catching away. The revelation is when he actually comes down and he places his feet where? Right upon terra firma. Planet Earth. Mount of Olives. Right there. And so, if he says, I go in to prepare a place for you, and I will come again, I will receive you unto myself. Not that where you are, I'm going to be. Do you see that? Now, here's what's interesting. The same word, receive you, that we see right here in John 14, 1 through 3, is the exact same word that was used in verse 40, back there in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 24. Okay? Two shall be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Okay, Receive you is the exact same word used there, to be taken. I'll read that back to you again. But, one, but, uh, but of that day and hour no man knows, no, not even the angels, but as the day of Noah's were, so, were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days of Noah, they were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. 
Two then shall be in the field. One shall be taken. One shall be taken away. One shall be received unto him. Okay? To where he is. Two women will be grinded at the mill. One shall be taken. The other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord will come. And so when he says, I want to receive you unto myself, it means the direction. It's the word pros, P-R-O-S. It means to be taken in a direction of where he is. Now, where is he promising that he's going to go and be? In his father's house. Now, at this point that he says it, is his father's house on planet earth? Absolutely not. It's in heaven. So he says, don't be troubled. Don't think that you're going to be a part of this troubling. Okay? He said, you believe in me. He says, uh, he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I'm going to come and I've gone to prepare a place. I'm going to come again. Revelation 4.1. And I'm going to receive you. I'm going to catch you away, snatch you away, elevate you, arrow, bring you unto where I am. Where's he at? He's in heaven. That's the heavenly abode. And so, when is that going to happen? Good question. It's going to happen when the door is shut to the ark. Before the tribulation, before the flood comes to take away or judge the wicked at the rapture of the church. Now look at this again. Revelation 4.1. Did you ever know that you could study Revelation without ever actually having to turn to the book of Revelation? Ever thought about that? <laughs> it's all over the place, isn't it? He's unveiling himself throughout his, these 66 books of Scripture. And now look what he said. Uh, Revelation 4.1. He said, After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here and I will show you things which must come thereafter. Now, having read what I did right there in, in uh, Matthew 24, read in John 14. Now, when I read Matthew 4, 1 again, doesn't it have a lot more meaning to it to you? A door was Even going back to Genesis chapter 5 with Enoch. After this, I, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice said, uh, where a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up here and I will show you things which must come thereafter. Now, you see the meaning of it. Why? Because... He speaks the same thing throughout the Word of God. Now, I want to go back after this interesting thing. We talked about this just a little bit yesterday. Revelation 1.19. What he did was give us kind of an outline of the book. I mentioned this back there then, but I want to mention it again. Look at Revelation 1.19. I want to read that to you real quick. Here's what he said. He said, Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be Hereafter. And so there's the outline. You know, there's number one, the things which you've seen, number two, the things which are, and number three, the things which are thereafter. And so up to that point, what we had is write these things which you've seen. And so it, it, it has this threefold outline. The things which you've seen, that's chapter one. Okay? And then the, the message uh, to the churches in chapter two and three are the things which are. Those were churches that actually existed in, in John's day. And prophetically, they're. Uh, errors within the church age. Then what happens from chapter 4 to the end of the book, the things which are to be hereafter. The word hereafter, here's another one of these good Greek words. It's metatata, M-E-T-A, T-A-U-T, after. M-E-T-A, T-A-U-T-A, M-E-T-A, T-A-U-T-A. Or after these things, which things which you have seen are things which will follow something. And so he's saying, listen, I'm going to show you these things that are going to ha happen thereafter. Thereafter what? Thereafter, verse 4. After this. And so we see these three 
phrases or these three points or these, these, these three markers, the things that were, the things that are, the things that are going to be. Folks, everything after chapter 4 changes. I mentioned yesterday that the church was mentioned 16 times in those first three chapters. It's not mentioned again in, from between chapters 4 and chapter 18, which is that time of trouble, the time when the waters are coming down upon the earth, so to speak, the time of the flood. And so he's telling him, listen, I'm going to show you these things. But he said, after this, he said, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And I'm going to, I'm going to get into the, 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 Thessalon, uh, the uh, Paul's letters to the Thessalonians more in detail tomorrow as we look at that. But I want to look at another verse real quick in regards to this door being opened. And it's the door of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Key here in understanding all this, this this rapture discussion is that word right there. A door was opened. Remember chapter 3, verse 20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice... Man, that's powerful right there. You know why it's powerful? If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and will sup with him and he with, with me... Now look at verse 1 of chapter 4. After this I look and behold the door was open in heaven. And the first voice, if any man hear my voice, the first voice was talking, uh, was it were a voice of a trumpet saying, Come up hither, come here, come sup with me, and I will show you things that must be hereafter. Hereafter when? After the door is opened and you come up. You see what I'm saying? So it's all, folks, it all ties together. But look at this in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. This is the, uh, the, the story, the parable of the foolish virgins. Then he said this, The kingdom of heaven will be like unto ten virgins. What? Did he say the, the, the kingdom of the tribulation? He said the kingdom of heaven will be like unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Very good. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, while it seemed that he was never going to come, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. There was a voice that went forth. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. Folks, listen. If I could be just one part, one solitary voice amongst the multitudes. Folks, listen, I am crying out and I'm saying, go out to meet him. Okay? It says, then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, give us your oil for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered saying, not so, because there would not be enough for us and for you, but go rather and sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, while they went to buy, I want to stop right there because I want to read something to you. While they went to buy, for as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They were doing all that stuff, that normal stuff. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were they were already in, went in unto the marriage, and the door was shut. Okay? And afterwards, that's verse uh, uh, 11, Matthew 25. Read Revelation 4. One, after this, same word, afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open it to us. Let us in. Let us be a part of the rapture. Let us be a part of the catching up. But he answered, said to them, I do not know you. 
Here's the warning. Watch therefore. You know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. <laughs> Isn't that good stuff? That is just good, good, good stuff. Amen? Folks, that door is a type of that open door that's going to open at the rapture. Then we're going to get in. We're going to see where that door closes and how, how that manifests. And, and the door opened once again. Uh, I've got to read this before we close. Verse 11, chapter 19, the revelation. Good news is, it opens back up. I saw heaven opened. And, there, and behold, a white horse. But when it opens, it comes out just like the family of Noah came out to reign with him as kings and priests. We're, we're, I can't believe it. We're totally out of time this morning in that. But I wanted to really kind of lay the groundwork for that. And, and we're, gonna, we're just going to really build this, this case, so to speak, with this preponderance of this evidence on what this is. It's exciting, folks. It really, it, 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 it does, it shouldn't, it doesn't and should not create a, an escapist mentality. It should create a, a, a mentality of righteousness and holiness and say, you know what? I need to grab a hold of God. Folks, we are totally out of time, but we'll be back tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another edition of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Getting excited, more excited than any person should humanly uh, be allowed to, but man, God is good and His mercy endures forever. Got some advice for you today, though. Get into God's Word. God's Word. Get into you.